There we go. All right, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3. Oh, we're delighted to, to see. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Good, good, good. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. We're so glad to see you. Uh, yeah. Mercy, mercy. <laughs> that is good to see you. We're glad to see you tonight. Yeah. Good to see you, Pat. I'll tell you. Um, you know, uh, it, it's great to see her this morning and this tonight. That is. But this is kind of a little, little humorous, not, not ha-ha, but uh, while we were glad to see her out of the hospital, Lacey had to bring up a pill for me that I have to take right now. <laughs> Anybody else have pills that you need to take that we can take <laughs> tonight? So excuse me, let me, t let me take my, my pill. <laughs> oh, at 8.30, okay, all right. See, she has to even tell me to win. All right, okay. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. And we're getting into the story of the creation of humanity, of mankind. And we saw that uh, uh, man and woman are created uniquely, differently. And uh, look at verse uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 18. Um, then the Lord God said... It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper corresponding or suitable for him. In other words, a woman will correspond. She will be the opposite. She will be, uh, the, many texts say, the helper. Uh, suitable, as corresponding to him. That is, he will have one that he can relate to. And she will be also a helper. She will be one who who helps him through life. She will support him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle. And remember we said the word cattle has the concept behind it of that which can be domesticated and used by man and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. And for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable or corresponding to him. So uh, God is going to make one that can relate to him. He will not be alone. Uh, now remember that we have a story that is compressed. A lot of details are left out. Only 27 verses given over to the creation story. Though we're now focusing, and, and, and Moses, who wrote Genesis, is focusing on the creation of man and what man will do in the terms of sin. He will break fellowship with God. He will disobey God. And uh, so we're, gonna be, we're looking now carefully and closely at uh, humanity, at mankind. So Adam said, hey, there's nothing for me. And he could see the fact that uh, the animal world had uh, this corresponding sex between the, the, the creatures, but there's nothing for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he, God, took out of his ribs, took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh, 
at that place. He is going to be part of man. I mean, part of she is. She's going to be part of man in her creation. And the Lord God fashioned or molded or built. It can be translated built, constructed into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. All right. She's going to have a, a very interesting position and he, he can relate to her. Now he says, hey, this is going to be for me. And God did that with a very distinct purpose in mind. Verse 23, the man said, this is now bone of my bones. Uh, he understands the relationship. He understands the fact that she is made uniquely just for him. Flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. The Hebrew word is isha, because she was taken out of ish, man. The word ish is the name is the word for, for man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he will cleave to his wife. He will cleave to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Notice that he is cleaving to her. And the man's and the, and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We point out, point out last week, and remember we're, we're, we're fishing here to try to, to understand the story because a lot of details are not given, but most Bible teachers in the Old Testament would say that, uh, that before the fall, before Adam and Eve broke the fellowship with God, that uh, they had uh, a relationship, they were naked, no problem. Because nakedness seems to in, in, enhance emotions. And with sin involved, it can cause problems. And we all know this. We know that, that nakedness can spur on the problem of sin. And that's why every, every tribe in the world, that people cover up because there is, there's something about it that humanity or mankind knows. It, it, it fosters an emotional response that can be negative, can be negative, even among married people. Now, so therefore, this is a, it's going to, it could be a problem. They both were naked, no problem, not ashamed. They were not ashamed. Now, the serpent was more crafty than all the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. <coughs> Excuse me. And the serpent said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. This is not simply a talking snake. It is Satan using this creature in order to, to, uh, to tempt Eve. There is a plan afoot. Satan wants to cause mankind to trip up and to break fellowship with God. And so the question is, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. I mean, uh, is God... Uh, is, is God being unfair to you? Uh, is God is lying to you? Is God causing problems with you? What's, what's going on? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. The word touch it has been added. She adds the word touch it. And God didn't say that. Now, we have to be careful here because it's not, it's, it's possible that God did say it, it just wasn't recorded. But uh, I get the feeling that, that, that she has added something, that she is expanding on what God had said. God didn't say that she couldn't touch it, but she's adding, adding to that. But again, it's, it's not mentioned, 
that, uh, that God had said that. But she apparently added to it. That's what I think. Uh, you shall not eat from it or even touch it, lest you shall die. And so she's expanding on what God had said. She's elaborating on what he'd said. <clears throat> the serpent said, remember that the issue is the test. And the test will be, will they obey God? Will they do what he said? Uh, and that's the test. In, in one sense, to, to touch or even eat of it, in, in a sense, is nothing wrong. Except that God said, no, you shall not eat of it. And so therefore, that becomes, has become or will become the test. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die. God is trying to keep something good from you. And by the way, that's one of the, the, the temptations that Satan uses. God is keeping something good from you. You are being, you are being fooled. You're being misled. <clears throat> you shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice how the, the elaboration, the, the building up of the story uh, to, to create a lie, to create a, uh, a form of a, of a temptation, if you will. You won't die. God knows that you, you'll be knowing good and evil. So God is keeping something from you. And uh, he, he's, he's uh, making it possible for, for, it, to, for you to, um, well, not necessarily making it possible, but he's trying to make you think that he is keeping that which he is good for you from you. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Now, by the way, there are five points in, in verse 6. Look at the five points. When the woman saw that the tree was, number one, good for food, good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes. That's number two. Uh, it has a ascetic value. Number three, that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Now, uh, is this all true or is, is there an expansion going on here? Is there a building up of, a, of, an, of an argument, so to speak? She took from the fruit its fruit and number four, she ate of it. And number five, she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. He ate with her. Uh, he also ate. All right, so there's a, there's, a, there's a whole scenario going on here. And so you, you don't have a simple story any longer. Now you have, uh, you have a, uh, a whole uh, a scenario whereby uh, uh, what, what will be their response? And by the way, God is going to hold Adam responsible for what happens, not Eve. Adam is going to be held responsible. Even though Eve, apparently at this stage of the, of the game, uh, Eve is the one who uh, uh, the servant is speaking to. Then, watch verse 7. The eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. Now some, something began to happen in terms of an, of an emotional response with their nakedness. Uh, and remember, this all didn't happen within seconds or even within an hour. I believe that, that, that this scenario, this, this, this story developed over, could have been a day, two days, a week. Uh, it could be they, they were constantly thinking about it. They were questioning. They were looking at each other and saying, you know, what, is God being fair with us? Uh, this was not something necessarily instantaneous. It was something that was developing. It could, could have been developing over uh, a, few, a few days, a few weeks, even not impossible. 
They knew that they were naked. They knew that something was wrong. Even though they are married, quote-unquote. But there's something going wrong. Their emotions are into an overdrive. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. We've got to cover up our nakedness. We're being fired up emotionally. It's not impossible that Adam was abusing, misusing that nakedness. Again, not a lot of details are given to us uh, in, in, the, in the scenario that's happening here. But apparently there is a problem, and it's a big problem. And uh, they realize that, uh-oh, we have an issue. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Notice the Master God, the Lord God, is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <clears throat> and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. The word from the presence uh, implies the face of, from the face of the Lord. They did not want to look at him in the face. Now, by the way, who is this? Remember God the Father. We do not see God the Father. This would be God the Son. He's the only one who has appeared in, in, in visible form in the Trinity. And so more than likely, and I don't know of a commentator worth his salt, who would not say this is the pre-incarnate, the pre-enfleshing of the Son of God. They're looking at the person of Christ who is exhibiting himself and coming to the man and to the woman. We do not see God the Father. He is spirit. No one has seen God the Father. God the Son is the only one who has ever made himself visible. And we call this the pre-before incarnate, the before enfleshing of the Son of God. So the Lord Jesus is the one who is present here. He came in the cool of the garden to walk with him, to have fellowship with him, apparently. And that fellowship was good. Was good. There was no problem going on between God, God the Son, if you will, and Adam and Eve. There was no problem. But now that nakedness is, is exacerbating an emotional issue. And uh, the machinery is running quickly. And they said, we've got a problem we have to cover up. And we have defied God. We have gone against what He has told us to do, not to do. We have defied Him. And so they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They did not want Him to look at, look at them. And so now you've got a... Uh, uh, embarrassment? More than an embarrassment. It's bigger than that. You have a, a challenge going on in terms of their fellowship and their walk with God. The Lord God called to the man. Ah, look at that. To the man. Even though this whole scenario began with Eve, the man is responsible. The, the orders were given to him. The challenge or the, the obedience issue was given to him. And so he calls to the man. And by the way, this has not changed despite the feminist movement. This has not changed. Men are to be the head of the home, the head of the, of the, of the, uh, of, of the unit, the, the marriage unit. The husband is responsible. <clears throat> when we get to glory, God will not ask you dear ladies questions about what happened with the family. God's going to look at us men and ask us, in terms of our leadership and what we did with the family. 
we will be responsible. So the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now God doesn't ask that question because he needs to know, okay? He knew exactly where they were. He knew, he knew where, where Adam was in terms of, uh, of uh, the, the, the spiritual fellowship issue, the location of Adam, and that's, that's the minor issue. Adam is running from God. And again, this would more than likely be the second person of the Trinity. He is the one who pre-incarnated. He is the one who is uh, later on in Genesis and other books. He is the angel of Jehovah. The angel who represents Jehovah. Uh, he's in Genesis. He's seen in Genesis. He's seen elsewhere uh, in, in Exodus. He is the one who came to Moses. Uh, Christ took upon himself that uh, uh, that expression, I am who I am, whom, whom I am. And uh, that is concerning the Lord Jesus. And so here, more than likely, this is God the Son that we're, we're speaking about. Where are you? God knew where he was. He didn't ask for information. He asked to pull out of, of Adam to extract from him what's going on in his mind and in his heart. Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid. He'd never been afraid of God before. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. This nakedness has got a problem. There's something going on here, and I, I, I have disobeyed you, and I am fearful. I am fearful. So sin has already gotten hold of this unit, uh, Adam and Eve, and sin has grabbed them. And uh, sin is breaking the fellowship that they had had uh, with God. Uh, verse 11, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Now again, that question is, 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 is in a certain sense, a, a, a silly question because they are. <laughs> they just are. And God, of course, knew that. And Adam knew that. And so the question is meant to, to, to pull out of him, Why are you fearful because now you are naked. What is happening within you? This question is for Adam. What is going on within you? Why are you afraid? Uh, have you eaten? Uh-oh. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> okay. All right. I thought that that was the rapture's trumpet sounding. I know we're all about to go up here or something. Uh, <laughs> I think he's supposed to call it first. <laughs> that, that's true. That's right. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, have you have you eaten from the tree which I command you not to eat? And the man said, "Look! Look how he passes the buck. The woman whom you gave to me." Uh, gave with me. She gave me. She gave me from the tree, and I ate. It is her fault. And he passes the buck to her. It is her fault. We men are responsible. We cannot pass the buck to the wife. She did it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that you have done?" And the woman said, "Ah, another passing the buck. The serpent." deceive me and I ate. Notice how they keep passing down the line. It's the serpent's fault, she said. And then Adam says, it's her fault. Everyone is, is avoiding the confrontation and avoiding the truth 
of what is happening here. And the master God, the Lord God, said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. The field. On your belly you will go and dirt or dust you will eat all the days of your life and I will put enmity I will put a in fact that word can mean hate I will put a hatred a hatred between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed what is the seed of Satan take your Bibles and flip over to John 8 44 John chapter 8 44 who, who would be the seed of uh, of the serpent John 8 44 and we read this Christ made this statement to, uh, to, to the Pharisees 844 you are of your father the devil those who listen to Satan those who are who follow Satan those who do his bidding those who are in rebellion against God are children of Satan, if you will. You are the you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He's a liar, and he's the father of lies. And so all those who put their loyalty behind Satan, they are children, are the seed of Satan. Uh, and a very, very important passage, those who are following Satan, who turn against God, who do not obey God, and who, who follow him in what he dictates. All right, go back to Genesis. Very important. By the way, again, don't just look at a talking snake. <clears throat> look at the fact that the, the serpent is embodied by Satan, in order to make an appearance to the woman, in order to bring this temptation about. Uh, you'll be cursed. Verse, middle verse 14, on your belly, I'm back, back to chapter 3, on your, on your belly you'll go and dirt you'll eat all the days of your life. I'll put hatred between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. There will be a confrontation. Now, I don't know why, but in most of your translations, uh, the next few verses, it says, He shall bruise you on the head. I do not know why they translate this bruise. It is the Hebrew word suf, which means to crush. He will crush you on the head, and you shall crush him on the heel. Crush him on the heel. <laughs> to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you shall bring forth children. The pain of childbirth is a reminder of the sin of Eve. To you dear women, that is the reminder. The, the pain in childbirth. Your pain in childbirth. And in pain you will bring forth uh, children. And it's not simply a bruising. It is a, is a, a crushing. You shall crush him on the heel. Uh, and uh, again, the, the first part of that verse, uh, behold your seed. Uh, and her, behold, your seed and her seed, he will crush you on the head, and you shall crush him on the on the heel. There is a, a, a temporal wound or temporary wound of a, simply a fleshly wound on the heel, 
of uh, the woman, uh, her, ch uh, her, son, her child, and ultimately this would be Christ. All hold this as this is the person of Christ. He will be crushed on the heel by Satan, but he will ultimately crush the head of not simply the serpent, but of Satan, who is embodying and using uh, the, uh, the serpent in this particular story. Now, look at the last part of verse 16. Uh, it says in the middle of verse 16, In pain you'll bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Uh, by the way, the word desire means to, to dominate, yet your domination will be from your husband. He will dominate you. He will dominate you. Now, we are living in a strange time. Feminism rules and reigns. Uh, and uh, if you did not have that, uh, the men in this room would have to lead their family, lead their wives with kindness and with love, and yet lead. And the men would have to say, "We're going to here come the Indians. We're getting out of here. Pack up. We're leaving." Every man in this room would have to have to dominate and to act quickly, act forcefully in order to protect the wife and the children. And that is now gone. That is something that has been lost because of the culture we live, we're living in. If we were not in a placid culture, things would be entirely different. And you, dear ladies, would be delighted to have your husbands take over. Otherwise, you would die and the children would die. Remember what happened after 9-11? There were thousands of marriages. The women who were all feminists said, i got to have a man. The, the, the things falling apart, I need to get married. I need a man to, to help me get through life. And so there were thousands of marriages that took place after 9-11 after when the trade towers came down because women realized, I'm pretending like I'm independent, but I'm really not. I'm really not. Uh, I need a strong man in order to protect me and to watch over me. Uh, and so this is a, this is a verse that uh, feminists don't like, but uh, it, is, it is there and you cannot escape it. Now, leadership has got to be kind leadership, not to... Uh, not to domination in the negative sense. It must be kind leadership. And without that, uh, the, the unit, there's no, there's no love cohesion within the unit. Uh, and so that's a very important concept. Very important. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Notice that they will be herbivorous, not carnivorous. They will not eat animal flesh, they will eat plants. Plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken... For you are dirt or dust, and to dirt or dust you shall return. You shall return. So death now enters into the realm of humanity. Death will now take over. We are going to, to die uh, physically, but also there is a spiritual death that is implied. Uh, I want you to look at, um, da, 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 where's the passage I want to go to? Uh, where it says... Um, uh, dying you shall die. Where did I just read it? Did I just read it? Hello. Um, haven't read it yet, have I? 
the verse where he says, you will die. Did I just pass it? Hello. Somebody find it for me. You get a sucker if you find it. You shall die. It's 217. 17? 217. 217. Okay, hello. No wonder. Okay, 217. Yes, thank you. From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The Hebrew says, dying, you shall die. Dying, you shall die. Is what the Hebrew text says. You're going to die if you, if you disobey what I say. Dying, you shall die. Now look, that is a physical death, but it's also a spiritual death. Now you don't see all that immediately. You only see that as you, as you continue on and read into Genesis and, and can move on through the Bible. You see that it's a physical issue, but it's more. It is a spiritual issue. It is a separation from God. Dying, you shall die. Verse 20. Go back to 320. The man called the wife's name Eve, which means life or living, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Ah, it is God who made the first sacrifice. It is God who made the first sacrifice. He is the one who slew some animals. Uh, don't know what, what they were. And took the skins and made more permanent clothes, clothing rather than the, uh, than the leaves that Adam and Eve had sewn together when they realized that they were naked. Now, it is God who slew the first animal. Now, what's this a type of? You can see a shadow going on here, can't you? You see a shadow. You see, you see a shadow of, of Christ who will die for us. Some poor innocent animal died in order to cover up Adam and Eve. And it is God who, who, who provided the first animal. It is God who provided the garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And it is God who clothed them. It is God who clothed them. And you and I are spared by the Lord Jesus. It is God who sent His Son in order to die for us. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. One of us. Plural pronoun. One of us. Knowing good and evil. And now, lest he stretch out his hand, and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out and at the, at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim, the angelic beings, the cherubim, and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. God said, you shall not go back to the garden. You shall not go back to the place of protection. I'm pushing you out. You will now stand alone and uh, you'll have to make it on your own, if you will. I will put angels, the cherubim, who will stand with a flaming sword to keep you from going back. Now look, there's a lot on these verses that you and I would love to ask. There's a lot of questions we have. But what is God doing? He is compressing this. Where is God racing in the, in the narration to get to? He's racing to get us to chapter 12 
and the story of, 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 of Abraham. God says, I want to tell you what's going to happen in terms of my plan, my plan that will be built around Father Abraham. And so all this is compressed information. We were sitting here and saying, gosh, I want to know more about that. I want to know about this. I want to know about that. But we don't have a lot of information. I want you to go to Romans 12 for a moment. Romans 12. Boy, this we do have down pat. Romans 12. And pardon me, excuse me, Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 12. Romans 5 and verse 12. This is the Apostle Paul's narration on this Genesis story. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, not one woman, not Eve, one man, sin entered into the world. How did sin get into the world? It's a very important statement. How did sin get into the world? Through Adam. How did it get into effect the human race? Through Adam. Sin came in through Adam's disobedience. And guess what followed? Death through sin. Apparently, Adam and Eve, and apparently, possibly their children, would have lived forever in a, in a, uh, a sanctified state, in an innocent state, an innocent state, <clears throat> but God says, I'm not going to have that to be. Uh, I will drive them out of a place of protection. They will die in order that I can resurrect Adam and Eve and or his children who will trust in me and give them a new life because they're going to die. Sin is like a disease. It has affected the human race. They're going to die. And so they must die so that I can resurrect them and they must trust in me from now on. They have turned their backs upon me, their fellowship from me, and they must die in order that I can resurrect them into a new body. So death will come through sin. And so death spread, look at this, to all men because all sinned. <clears throat> when I was in graduate school, in our, one of our courses on theology, the professor took this verse, chapter 5, verse 12, and he made all of us students in my class translate this passage and to try to understand what's going on. What is going on here? Uh, what, what's happening in verse 12? Is sin coming because of Adam? Is this a judicial thing? Now look up here a second. Is God taking his gavel and he's banging his gavel and saying, because of Adam's sin, I am now going to see all of his children under guilt and under a re rebellion from me, broken fellowship because of the sin of Adam. Because of Adam's sin, I'm now going to condemn the whole human race. Well, you've got tacked on the end of verse 12, the little, the little expression, because all sinned. Well, wait a minute. Is, is the judgment coming because of the sin of Adam that spreads like a, like a, a cold virus? Let's say that uh, uh, Dave Ganover gets a cold virus and, and we all can't leave this room and that virus just spreads for everybody in the room and suddenly everybody else has got the cold. Or is it spread because all have personally sinned? Which is it? 
Well, we students came back uh, <laughs> the next week to the class, and uh, we had a big question mark on top of our heads. Which is it? Is it because everyone has sinned? Is it because Adam sinned alone and he passed the virus on of sin? Well, we all concluded it's both and. <laughs> it's both and. Uh, you can't escape the fact that Adam sinned and that affected all of the human race, but don't miss the tack on because all have sinned as well. It's a, it's a both and. We are sinners. And yet there's a judicial judgment, if you will, on all of us because of Adam's fall. Because of Adam's fall. In fact, there's a little couplet that goes, because of Adam's fall, uh, how's it go? I just missed it. It's a little couplet that says, because of Adam's fall, so all have sinned, or something like that. It's a both and. You cannot escape the both and in this verse. Now look at verse 17 of Romans 5. Romans 5, 17. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, death reigned through the one. Now the emphasis here is a judicial judgment that comes from Adam and passes down to everyone in the human race. Look at that. In the human race. For by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You look what Paul does. Look up here a second. Paul makes a counterweight going on, a counterweight. It is Adam who threw us all into the human race. All who are related to Adam are condemned. All who relate to Christ by faith are delivered. All who relate to Christ by faith are delivered. So you have the you have the first man, Adam, you have the second man, Christ. Okay? And Christ is the one who spares those who by faith come to God who have been uh, condemned because of Adam, who come to God, who come to him by faith, they are spared, they are delivered. And look at verse 18. So then as through one, one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Justification of life. If you relate to, to God through the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, you are saved. All of us relate to Adam, and all of us are condemned. All who relate to Christ are saved and delivered and spared. Look at verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, Christ, the many will be made righteous. We are delivered, we are condemned through Adam, we are delivered through Christ, okay? Or by Christ. The deliverance comes only through Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. Now this brings up a question. Um, how is the world condemned? Is the, is the world condemned um, because it doesn't believe in Christ? Or is the world condemned because of it, the whole world relates to Adam? The whole world relates to Adam. That's what condemns men. Because there are millions of people who never heard the name of Christ. 
They never heard the name of Christ. And they're bound for judgment. They never heard the name of Christ. So their, their condemnation is not because they haven't heard the name of Christ or that they've rejected Christ. Not so. It's because they're part of, a, part of Adam. You say, well, that seems unfair. Well, you forget what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, it says there is a witness in creation. And so the, 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 the native in the Amazon or in Africa who has never heard the name of Jesus Christ, never heard even the name of Christ, he is condemned by his rejected, rejection of God through creation, not because he hasn't heard of Christ. And, and, and we, we, we all we have a problem here, and we all uh, miss, miss the, the point. Well, we, we need to send missionaries because um, so that people will hear Christ and then get saved. That's true. But their condemnation will not be because they haven't heard of Christ. Their condemnation is because they have rejected God by nature. This is what Paul says. Go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. Uh, the Apostle Paul says uh, this. Uh, verse 19. Romans 1, uh, pardon me, chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 1, verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident. Through them, or within them that is, within them, for God has made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Have been clearly seen. The people who never heard His name, they still know of His attributes and His divine power, His eternal power, by the things that are seen. And divine nature, they are clearly seen. Being understood through what has been made so that men are without excuse. They're without excuse. They've never heard the name of Jesus, but they're without excuse by creation. Now, 99% of you in this room haven't heard that. You've got the wrong message from the churches you attended, and the pastor said it wrong to you. We've got us in missionaries because if we don't, all these people are going to hell. They're going to hell anyway because they are rejecting God by nature. That's what Paul just said. I didn't say it. Read, read the verse again. Don't look at me. Read the verse. They are without excuse because they have rejected God by the nature that He has created. And they are, therefore, they are cut off. Look at verse 21. Now he goes back historically. Paul goes back historically. For even though they knew God... Men knew God. This goes back historically. This goes back to this goes back to Adam and his his children, if you will, and the, the children's children. How many generations Paul's referring to or thinking about? We don't know. Even though they knew God, that is, the early generations knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became empty or futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, what did God do? God gave them over to the lusts in their hearts. Now, three times, he's going to say, God gave them over. This is one. Therefore, God gave them over. God gave them up in the lust of their flesh. Look at uh, verse um, 28. 
just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Look at verse 32. Although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only did the same, but also gave hearty approval to those who practiced the same. Who practiced the same. God gave them over, is his point. God gave men over. So the, the, the world is lost, not because of its rejection of Christ. The world is lost because it, it is, is, is the child of Adam. And also because of nature, men can see. Look, that tree, that tree is an incredible tree. Unbelievable. All the trees that are in the park out here. Incredible part of God's creation. And men look at that, those trees and say, isn't it wonderful what the monkey God made? Isn't it wonderful what happened by accident? And God gave them over. God gave them up. They are condemned by Adam. They're condemned because they're in Adam and they're only saved because when, when they trust God in Christ. In Christ. They turn to God by Christ and in Christ. God gave them over. God gave them up. All right, let's stop right here and take a break, and we will pick up back in Genesis.